This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. Hello, this is Andrew Jobling, and welcome to the Wellness Puzzle Podcast for another week. I have got the most incredible guest and conversation in store for you, so get excited. You will need to sit down. You may need a box of tissues as we talk to Tiffany Johnson. You may have heard of Tiffany. She was in the 1999 Swiss canyoning disaster. She survived after being washed down a mountain over many waterfalls and ended up very injured, losing many of her friends in that tragedy and I'll tell you what this lady is incredibly inspiring she tells her story with honesty and vulnerability she talks about the person she was leading up to that decision to travel and to go on that mountain and the person she has now become and how she's overcome that trauma I'm a little bit speechless I don't really know how to introduce it other than to say turn everything else off turn off all your notifications find yourself some space for the next 40 45 minutes and just enjoy this incredible conversation with Tiffany Johnson. I am very excited to be joined by Tiffany Johnson. Hello, Tiffany. Hello, Andrew. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you here. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn looking for wonderful people, and I came across you, and I thought, started looking at your story and look at your website, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I wonder if there would be any chance this lady would take some time to talk to little old me. And I'm so excited that you connected. I very rarely go on LinkedIn. So um, (laughs) that was just, it was meant to be. The gods brought us together. They did. They did. And you've got an incredible story, which we'll jump into in a sec. But now I love the fact that, well, I don't love the fact that you had to go through what you went through, but Isn't it amazing how we can take sort of adversity in our life and be able to use it to help other people? I love that about Mm. life and I love that about so many people out there that go through some pretty traumatic experiences yet don't let it beat them. Actually, they use that as a platform to inspire and help other people and you are absolutely someone who's done that. So well done. Mm. Thank you. I think it's also part of the healing process as an individual when you've been through a trauma of some description. It could be anything. Trauma doesn't discriminate. It can be a small trauma or a large trauma. It doesn't have a percentage. It affects all of us in some way in our life. And so if we can use that to help other people, I know it certainly helps me in so many ways because you just feel really good about it. Yeah. And whilst you've been through a very extreme trauma, we all experience trauma in our lives. So I want everyone who's listening to this, you know, you may not have been through what Tiffany's been through and overcome what she's had to overcome. But we all, every single day, we deal with a minor trauma in our life or some little, even an inconvenience or something that doesn't go the way we want can be a traumatic experience. And I think what I'm excited about, Tiffany, is listening to you talk and hearing what you have to say. And I know people are going to be able to use that to help them wherever they are in life and whatever trauma they may be experiencing. So having said that, Let's talk about it. So it was 1999 and you were traveling and you were in Switzerland. Tell us what happened. It was raining 
And we had opportunities to either go canyoning or to do something else, whatever we wanted to do, you know, visit towns, go and see museums, go shopping. And I was living this life of adventure and desperate for freedom within myself. And the opportunity to do an extreme sport such as canyoning just was something I could not refuse. The thing was, I had a really bad feeling in my stomach, that gut instinct. We all have access to our gut instinct. It's that other sense we often don't tune into. And I was feeling incredibly overwhelmed, like this foreboding feeling within me that something really bad was about to happen or was coming. I just didn't know what it was and I didn't listen to it. And we got ready and were rushed very very quickly rushed onto the buses there was a a whole lot of different people who were going went up into the the mountain and by now by the time I got up there it was pitch black and it had only just started to sprinkle and you could hear thunder in the distance and our guides had said to us we're not 100% sure whether we should go or not today but we trusted them and we knew that they wouldn't put their own lives at risk and so we went And the water was beautiful. It was crystal clear. And this place was like the Garden of Eden. It was something that was so picturesque. The Swiss Alps in the distance, you know, you you could hear the softness. It was just beautiful. The little breeze through the shimmering lights and the, the trees. Beautiful. We got halfway down through the canyon and everyone was so excited and full of adrenaline jumping and splashing and I noticed that the water had changed from that beautiful crystal clear to a murky muddy brown and was rising incredibly fast and it went from my ankle to my knee in a matter of moments and I said to my girlfriend next to me why is the water rising and she said I don't know and the guide called to us to move really really fast we needed to get out of there we were in a very narrow part about a meter wide in the gorge So I took that next jump. I was the only one to take the jump. When I landed in the water, the sound was like thunder. The only reason I came up was because of the buoyancy of my life vest. And there was another guide waiting for me at the bottom of that water hole. And he reached out his hand to me. And I called out, I can't, the water's too strong. And our hands slipped past each other and I was sucked under the rapids. And in that moment, a four metre wall of water came crashing down on top of all of my friends killing some of them instantly. I was washed away. I didn't know what had happened. I just knew that I was underwater and I was in trouble. And I instantly heard my father's voice come to me saying, if ever you get caught in floodwaters, just relax and stay calm. Water is stronger than us all. You can never fight it. Now, I'd grown up in the country. I knew the signs of the weather, but I just didn't understand it on the other side of the world. And so I completely let my body go limp and let my body just be washed away. I kept trying to come up for snippets of air when I could. And eventually I was rammed in the stomach by a giant log and pushed up into a boulder, which forced me up out of the water. And it was the first time I could see what I was in. And I looked to my right and I saw my friends, lifeless bodies floating over the rapids. And I knew instantly that they were dead. And I looked to my left and I saw the bank, but it was just too far away. I knew that I could never make it. And as I was looking back up into the mountain with this water pummeling down and whole boulders were crashing and there were waves, it was intense. It's a very narrow gorge with a lot of water coming down. 
there was debris, massive logs flying along. And I saw my life play out to me like a series of snapshots. I saw me as a child being so badly bullied, being pinned down in the playground with kids holding all of my limbs. I was taller than everyone and they measured parts of my body. I saw me as a teenager being left out of the cool group. I didn't feel like I belonged. Then I saw me in my relationship that I'd just left, which was incredibly toxic. And I saw how badly I'd been treated. And then I saw me just the day before on a mountain for the first time I'd seen snow, finally feeling free. And I wanted to be that girl. I was never that other girl that deserved to be treated the way that I'd been treated. I always wanted to be that woman on the mountain. And I didn't want to die having had been that girl, the other girl that I had been. And so I wiggled free somehow from this boulder and this giant log and was sucked under the rapids again. I thought that if I'd stayed in that, at that spot, another boulder would have come down and crushed me and no one would have ever found me. So I kept trying to come up for snippets of air as I could. I went over two giant waterfalls and there came to a point where I just could not get another breath of air. And I thought, well, this is it. And I prayed. I prayed to God and I prayed to my aunt that had died years before. And I said, please, dear God, don't let me die because if I die... Mum won't cope. <laughs> Which I always I always start laughing in that moment because it was such a selfless prayer and I really was about to die and I opened my mouth to take a giant breath of water and I shot up sporadically up out of the water, whether it was an angel, a wave. I have absolutely no idea how that happened. And I was on top of the biggest waterfall you can ever imagine. There's a photo of it. Someone took a photo of it. It's on my website. And I went over that waterfall. And when I came up for air again, I was in this tiny little alcove next to the waterfall, crystal clear, no rapids. And I tried to make my way to the edge, but my legs wouldn't work. And I thought at that moment that I was paralyzed. And so I used my arms to get to the edge And then I tried to climb out, but I couldn't because there was a massive branch stuck through my life vest. So I had to wiggle back down. And that was probably the first and only time I really was scared because I thought if that water comes in here, if those rapids get in here, I will not make it out alive again. And I wiggled back down and sort of had to manoeuvre this giant branch out from my life vest. And then a pair of feet arrived at my eyes and grabbed onto the shoulders of my life vest and pulled me out. Someone from somewhere came running over. There was a few of us that had ended up in that alcove. And he said, follow me and I'll take you to safety. So we followed him. I jumped up like a soldier in combat, started ordering people around and telling them what to do. It was like adrenaline kicked in. I could have moved a car if someone asked me to. Anything to get to safety. And as we climbed up out of the mountain, it was now like a mudslide and we were holding onto trees and branches, ropes, anything we could grab onto. And as we got to the top, which took quite a while to get up to safety. The person that had led us there helped me. It was over like this ledge to get onto the road to stop landslides. And he helped me up over this ledge. And then he looked at me and he looked into my eyes and burst into tears. And he said, you're the one I couldn't hold on to. And it was the guide who tried to grab my hand in the waterhole. We slowly made our way down the road and 
came around the corner to see what was a rescue attempt, but I knew that they were already too late. There were 21 people that died that day. I lost five friends, people from New Zealand, Australia, Switzerland, South Africa and England. One of the guides did die that day. She jumped in multiple times. There were a couple of guides that died. Adventure World was the company that took us canyoning and they'd been warned by locals and had seen the weather to say, don't go, it's dangerous. It was known for flash flooding and they didn't listen to their warnings. Wow. I'm sitting here a little bit speechless, to be honest. Tiffany, you tell that story with such passion and almost like you were there again. I mean, when you tell that story, does that take you, I mean, obviously it takes you back. How do you feel talking about it now? Incredible amounts of gratitude. Grateful for for my life, for the life that I have now and the opportunities that are in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously sustained a lot of injuries too. I mean, you don't fall over three massive waterfalls and get hit by boulders and logs and and stuff and walk away and go, oh, well, that was an experience. Tell us a little bit about some of the injuries you sustained. Uh, So I split my tibia in half um, from my ankle to my knee. I had four broken ribs, a dislocated jaw, soft tissue damage to both of my legs. My pancreas was damaged. I'm now living on an insulin pump and I had PTSD and survivor's guilt for ever. I don't know if that ever goes away. So I was incredibly lucky. The thing was when we got to hospital, someone took us to hospital, but they did a couple of medical tests, but they just said I was bruised. So I left the next day with all of those injuries and no pain relief and nothing and couldn't walk. And they just kept saying I was bruised. And it was nearly a month later that we discovered that I actually had all of these injuries. And were you back in Australia then or you were still in Europe? I was back, I was back in Australia then, yeah. I realised very quickly that I couldn't continue on my travels and I came home and that was incredibly difficult for my family. I was so angry. I was so angry. Everything I saw was filled with red and hatred. I was angry that they died. I wished that I had died. I'd been suicidal at one point. The PTSD was extreme and I just bottled it all up and didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody what I'd seen. I didn't tell anybody how much pain I was in. My body looked like out of a movie when you see those images of like it's a, um, you know, a murder mystery. Someone's been beaten to death and they show photos of the victim all over the police table and, you know, this person's unrecognisable with bruises. I looked like that and... I hid it. I hid it from everybody because the guilt was so enormous for surviving that I could not bring myself to tell anybody my truth. Wow. Well, Tiffany, I need to go and get a box of tissues. So we're going to have a quick break (laughs) and we're going to come back and there's lots to talk about. But thank you for being so open in your sharing and so vulnerable. It's um, inspiring. But there's lots more to talk about because you've overcome those feelings or a lot of those feelings and you have created abundance in your life and you're making a difference in many, many lives. So I'm looking forward to talking about that after a short break. 
Everyone has a book inside us waiting to be written and Adri Jobling can unleash the hidden author in you. Have you ever wanted to become a successful author and impact many lives? Andrew will support, guide and mentor you through the entire process and help you leave your legacy for the world. Contact Andrew for a free 30-minute chat about the influence you want and can have. Go to andrewjobling.com.au to find the author in you. Tiffany, I'm still a little bit speechless. That's such an incredible story, which you've obviously told many, 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 many times. And I know you've been on TV and you've been on Sunrise and you've told the story in front of millions of people. And it takes a lot of courage to tell the story again and again and again and relive it. So I want to ask you this. I mean, you obviously, for a long time, you were in a pretty dark place. You said you were suicidal. You said you hid your feelings, the guilt, the anger. How did you start to come out of that? What was it that started moving you through the healing process? There are a lot of different aspects of the healing process. I was probably going to tear me up even. That's okay. You're allowed to tear up on this podcast. We encourage all (laughs) All spectrum of emotions. (laughs) My best friend was incredible and I talk about her a lot in my book. I speak to her every day still. We moved to Melbourne to be near her um, and near my in-laws. I'd met this woman, Cassandra, on the on the tour and I feel like this is the appropriate place to talk about this. I'd been in this terrible toxic relationship. It really was horrendous. And I went on this tour and I felt so alone, so isolated. Again, I was hiding my feelings from everybody, trying to, you know, have this bubbly, happy exterior. I was on the bus one day Everyone was asleep and I looked out at the scenery in Tuscany, which sounds incredibly wonderful, especially now that we can't go to Tuscany anymore. I looked out the window of this bus and there's beautiful fields and fields of sunflowers. I'd never seen anything so amazing. And I stood up on the bus desperate to share this with someone, anyone. And this girl also popped her head up like a meerkat over the bus and I had never spoken to her. And so I said, come on, come here, come here. And so we sat down together. I'd never spoken to her in my entire life and our hearts just poured out to each other. It was a bit like Anne and Diana in Anne of Green Gables. She was my soul sister, my kindred spirit. I had this incredible connection with this woman. And when I was in hospital in Switzerland and I was so alone, I'd never felt so alone in my life. It was so dark and a horrible place to be and she was my shining light and when I came home and I kept hiding and and literally did not leave my bedroom my mum and dad called her because they thought I'd mentioned her a couple of times you know maybe while they brought in a cup of tea or whatever like I've hardly spoke to anyone but I'd mentioned this one girl Cassandra and they called her saying you don't know me but we've heard a little bit about you and we think that you're our last hope at getting our daughter back. Would you please come and visit us? And within three hours, she was at my door. Where were you living at the time? Oh, I was living in rural Australia. I grew up in the country. I'm a country girl. Which state and, of Australia? Oh, in New, New South Wales. New South Wales. And she was in Melbourne? Yeah. So she and literally got on a plane and came to my to me. Oh, that's awesome. And was she, 
on the canyoning tour that no. you went on? No. No, she wasn't, but she did lose her cousin. She literally just left her cousin's funeral, got on a plane, came to see me. And that bond, knowing that I could be so open and honest with that person, was so so vital to start to unlock what was going on. So that was having that person, and it doesn't matter who that person is in your life, but having someone you can trust, it's having that. So whether it's a therapist, your doctor, uh, your mum, your dad, your, whoever it is, just knowing that there's this one person that's not going to judge you, that loves you completely unconditionally, is not going to always try and fix it, but just listens to you. That was the key yeah. in that relationship. And so I found, um, I went and saw one psychologist. My mum insisted, you have to go and see someone. But the truth is that type of therapy doesn't work until you're ready. And we all know that. And I wasn't ready. And this woman didn't know how to deal with the intensity of what had happened to me. And she said, well, I, you know, normally just deal with, you know, divorces and deaths. I've never done anything like this before, but I'll give it a go. Mm. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't need to be a guinea pig right now. Yeah, that thank you, but no thank you. But one thing she did say was, you know, think of something that you love to do and just express yourself through that. So whether it's dancing or, you know, go and hit a cricket bat, but I love to paint. I'm an artist, visual artist as well. So I, at one point, grabbed a whole bunch of paints and just painted this incredible painting that actually hangs on my lounge room wall and it's a symbol of hope and love and torture and pain and suffering but it has this incredible sense of live your life every day as if it's your last and I look at it every day and go yeah like I'm doing this for all of them but what I also learned is that I have to do it for myself because if you don't take care of yourself first, you cannot take care of anybody else. You can't help anybody else. And you just start to fall very, very far. I also had um, intense therapy uh, at Westmead Hospital in Sydney with their PTSD clinic. And I was with them for a very, very long time. And that was the turning point, the major, major turning point. But, you know, I fell off the I fell off the wagon very badly in many different ways. Too much drinking, too much, you know, trying to trying to hide, trying to hide in every possible way that I could. It didn't work until I faced it. And I journaled my whole life and I'd stopped journaling. And one of the things that they said at the PTSD clinic was, you know, you need to write your story. And I did. I kept writing my story. And every year on the 27th of July, which is the date of the anniversary, I still write my story and it has never changed in 22 years. Wow. It's mm. incredible. And then you, at what stage did you decide to write your book? When I first came home, I started writing my story and it was so hard and so raw and so traumatising that I literally just pressed delete and walked away. <laughs> and about, I think it was must have been how old am I now 43 so I was just it was just before my 38th birthday and I'd had a huge change a massive change in my life happen and I found it it brought up all this a lot of a lot of that PTSD symptoms again and I realized that it was time 
And I thought, well, even if I just write it for myself, but actually what I really wanted to do was write it to help someone else. And so I tried to write it a couple of times first and it just wasn't flowing. And I thought, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a writer. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? And then my husband said, you know, just think about your why. Why are you doing this? And my why was if one other person reads my story or hears my story and they make a positive change in their life that helps them live this life of wonder and sadness and hope and joy and everything that life brings you but is fulfilled, then I've lived for a good reason. I've been saved for the right purpose. I can help other people. And you are now doing that. And how does that feel? Amazing. I've had so many wonderful, incredible friendships formed through this new part of my life. I feel so honoured and incredibly blessed and grateful. So let's talk about your book for a sec, Tiffany. Tell us about the title of the book. What's your main message in your book? So my book's called Brave Enough Now. It's available as an ebook, a paperback book, and as an audiobook, which I narrated. Such an exciting experience to do that. And it's a story of inspiration, self-discovery, survival and hope. And it's my story of how I came to be in the canyon that fateful day and how I moved through the next phase. But it does stop a little early because there's the next book. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to write too much because you've got to have multiple books coming. Right. So I want to go back because there's a backstory here. There's a reason why you were in Europe at the time and, and you already, you've touched on toxic relationships and you touched on bullying and you've touched on stuff. Tell us a little bit about the background history of Tiffany Johnson and what was it that got you flying over to Europe in the first place? So it starts a very long time ago. <laughs> I was 17 and I'd finished high school and I had different opportunities in front of me of what I was going to do next. Would I go to university? I got accepted into one of Australia's top fine arts colleges and a couple of other applications I put in for different colleges. And I didn't actually believe that the letter I received from the fine arts college was real because I didn't believe in myself. And so I chose to go to university because I thought that was safe. And I did hospitality. Can I just say I hate hospitality? <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst waitress in the world. <laughs> I like hospitality as long as I'm getting served. If I'm yes. sitting at a table getting yes. food and drink put in front of me, I'm a happy man. Quite right. That's right. Exactly. Anyway, so I went and did this, this university course and I moved away. I went to another state, I moved to Queensland and I went to university up there. And then I met a man when I was working because uh, I've always been incredibly independent and wanting to do things for myself. And when I met this man, these feelings inside of me stirred that I didn't even know existed. That first time there's that chemistry rush. I'd never had anything like that and I was so drawn to him. And within a week we'd moved in together. Now all of a sudden that is raising a giant red flag and if my daughter at the age of 16 went off at the age of 17 to university and did the same thing, I would be mortified. But that's what I did and, you know. Were your parents mortified? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's all right. You don't need to tell me anymore. Well, yes. And 
you know, the first three months was beautiful and wonderful and romantic and, you know, all the love and bubbles and all the rest of it, but it turned into a toxic heated mess and I didn't know how to get out of it. I did not have the support systems around me, which also takes me back to my healing time was having that support person. And I didn't have that because I'd moved away and I didn't know anybody and I'd gone off with this guy. Things just went from bad to worse. And I eventually left and I moved to a tropical island and had an amazing time up on the wet Sundays. But I was walking home from work one night and he found me on the island and we'd started talking again, but you know, it was just a conversation. It was nothing. I was walking home from work and I was stalked by two men and nearly raped. I managed to escape and I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified of what would happen. You know, I, know, I reported it. It was hearsay, his word against my word sort of thing. And I mean, we hear about these sorts of things happening all the time. And recently I watched that amazing film, Promising Young Woman. And that's exactly what they're talking about. This whole, the, the men's club and the whole, you know, like just, it's such a nightmare. And I was living that. So when this ex-boyfriend called and said, I'm going overseas, I thought it was safer. The devil you know than the devil you don't know. And... I said, how about you book a ticket for two? And so we went overseas. But when we got there, that same wheel just started to turn. It went from bad to worse. I found him doing things that were inappropriate and he'd stolen all my money. So I then oh, rang my mother. Wow. Absolutely beside myself. And I just had said, things haven't worked out and my money's all gone. And she's very effervescent and gregacious woman. And she said, darling you kind of gone to the other side of the world and had a terrible time get out there and live live <laughs> did she send you some money i had i did have some savings back at home and she sent me some money and i she said go and book a kentucky to a darling go and meet people your own age go there and have fun have fun you know she's very <laughs> fabulous fun. like that yep. and so I, that's that's what i did i booked that kentucky tour there it is and so what were you chasing at that time in your life what were you after oh what a fabulous question i i had had every single piece of me stripped away in that relationship there was absolutely nothing left for me lost doesn't even cover it on how bare my soul was i didn't trust anyone anymore I didn't believe in anything or myself. I I felt like everyone was constantly judging me or having opinions of me. I cared about what everyone thought. I I was a shell of a woman. And slowly I started to realize what I really was searching for was me, my belief in me. And I found that on that mountain holding snow and the reason I found that there and then was that I looked out at these mountains and I was standing on a glacier and I thought if these mountains can stand the test of time if they can withstand dinosaurs and blizzards and mankind and climate change if they can still be here then maybe maybe just maybe it's okay to have all my faults and maybe it's okay to have made the mistakes I've made and maybe it's okay to have the gifts and the talents and the dreams that I have. Maybe it's okay 
to be me, all of me, all the broken pieces of me or the fixed parts of me. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to be and that's amazing. That is amazing and I think people listening to this right now, if they don't have tears in their eyes and, and tissue in their hand, then I don't know what's happening Wow, how powerful and how incredibly relatable because I think are we not our own worst enemies? Are we not the ones that beat ourselves up and tell ourselves we should be more of this and more of that and we should have done this and what's wrong with me? And to be able to get to a point where you can just accept yourself and love yourself for who you are and for all your imperfections I think is an amazing place to be. Tiffany, I need another break and another drink of water so we'll be back shortly to wrap up this amazing conversation. Fitness is an essential piece of the wellness puzzle. First step, finding someone to help you on your fitness journey. But finding a personal trainer or class you love isn't always easy. That's where Fiddy comes in. Fiddy is the app to help you discover trainers and classes near you, find one you love and connect. Booking session times or classes has never been easier with Fiddy's unique live calendar view system. Download the Fiddy app in the App Store or Google Play today. Tiffany, isn't it incredible how life just takes us on a journey? I mean, you're sitting here with me now and you're looking back on this journey and all the fears and insecurities and all the trauma and the relationships and, you know, then falling down a mountain and getting boulders on your head and, and all sorts of stuff. Yet you're sitting here today with purpose. I mean, is that a fair thing to say? Absolutely. You've got your pur- you know what your purpose is and your purpose is to impact people's lives. Your purpose is to help people move through trauma, find themselves, find believe in themselves, accept themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have this incredible purpose. But it happens, doesn't it? You can't force it. You can't in a lot of ways you can't even manufacture it. It's just I guess being open to the journey. And you know, I mean, a lot of people would look at your story that you've told about that whole, the flash flood and the canyon and and how tragic that was. As you look back at that now, what's your thoughts and feelings about that accident? Hmm. The actual accident itself. Yeah. That's a really tough question because I'm incredibly spiritual and I feel that a faith, Uh, of any kind really holds you and helps you move through everything. And so my belief is that everything happens for a reason. We just don't know what that reason is. And I think I believe that because it helps me process what happened. We should never have gone that day. That's the reality. People's lives were lost and the heartache and the trauma that it caused to families, whole communities. This was Australia's largest largest number of deaths on foreign soil outside of war times at the time it happened. The Governor-General of Australia, Sir William Dean, went to Switzerland and uh, had a memorial which where he threw wattle into the ravine. He also endorsed my book. I was endorsed by the Australian government. In Victoria launched it at government in Parliament House in Melbourne, it was so significant, this accident. It changed how we deal with trauma. The people who came counselled us 
worked with the rescue team, those people who dealt with us at that time have actually gone on to train people across the world in natural disaster trauma. The Thai boys, they were the people who were there were trained by the people who learnt from what happened to us. It was so incredibly tragic and it was so devastating for so many people. But we've learnt so much from it. And I always think there's got to be a silver lining. There has to be a lesson that's learnt. So I have very mixed feelings about yeah, of course. about the actual what happened because I do know that they're out of this tragedy. There's been lights that have impacted millions and millions of people. And you'll never be able to answer this question, but how many lives have been saved as a result of the changes or the things that have been learnt from that tragedy? I mean, yes, tragic that you said 21 people lost their lives. Yeah. But how many lives have been saved as a result of the way they now do things and the things that have happened as a result of that? I mean, how many lives have you saved as a result of you talking, speaking out and your book and the stuff that you're doing? I mean, I'm like you. I'm very spiritual and I very much believe things happen for a reason. There's Within every trauma, within every tragedy, there, there's a light, there's, a, there's opportunity, there's lessons and... Whilst this does not take away the pain of the families of the people who lost their lives, but there's been incredible change as a result of that trauma. Absolutely. And I've become incredibly close to some of the families. And um, I met with some of them in 2019. I went back to Switzerland, first time ever, for the 20th anniversary of the disaster. And I launched my book around the same time and... It's also been translated into German as well. Any German people out there wanting a German translation of it, they can get that as well. Um, and so, What's the title in German, Tiffany? Oh, it's got a different title. It's called, oh, my German's terrible. That doesn't uh, matter. So is mine. Gefroner Sonnenschein. Oh, okay. Sonnenschein. It's called Frozen Sunshine in German. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't say it in German. I apologise <laughs> to all those lovely German speakers. Yeah, they're, they're cringing there right now. Going, yeah, they're oh, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what yeah, is she um, doing decimating our language? That's it. But anyway, so when I was in Switzerland and meeting with some of those other families, ones who I hadn't yet met, they were so grateful for me having shared my story because it gave them more insight into what happened and to know that their legacy has been held and honoured and that their memory will never die. And I feel so overwhelmingly grateful for that when my guilt was so extreme for surviving to have had this 180-degree turn and that has been incredibly healing. Yeah, and you survived so that you could do what you're doing now. And the people died to create the change that was needed to be created because let's say the flash flood happened and there was no fatalities. It probably wouldn't have made news. Nothing would have changed. And who knows how many people may have lost their lives in future flash floods. So we've got to be able to look at things and be able to see as hard as it can be, find a positive in the tragedy. I mean... I wrote a book called Dance Until It Rains, which is a story of my mum 
and her journey with her life and her journey with cancer. And I mean, she's been gone nearly 17 years and, and as heartbreaking an event as that was, she and I now for the last 17, well, the book was published in 2011. So for the last 10 years, she and I have been working together, inspiring people and helping people. So as hard as it is to lose my mum, she's never gone. And if you're a spiritual person, you'll know you'll I'm going to see her again. And But we get to, to stay together and work together. And I mean, you are now with your friends that you've lost. They're not gone. They're with mm. you in your journey. And they're part of your story. And they're part of the story that's inspiring people and helping people become better and, and live their best life. And really, yeah. that's what your message is, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Wow. So, Tiffany, this has been incredible. What's the title of the book? It is Brave Enough Now. Good. That's the English version. That's the English version. That's it there. Um, You can't see it, though. No one can see it, but hold it up because I can see it. It looks like an amazing book for everyone listening. Wow. It's a very powerful cover too, by the way. Thank you. I love the cover. Yes, yep. so it's Brave Enough Now, an inspirational story of self-discovery, survival and hope available wherever you buy your books. And I also have my second book, which is connected to it, which is called Discovering Your Brave. Oh, and that's okay. actually a guided journal. So it's all the tools that I've used to help me through my healing that you learn. And then the 60 days of guided journaling just to help you move through life when you're needing to really connect with your own self. So that's also available, but that's on my website. We need that. Um, so what's your website? Whenwearebrave.com. Okay, whenwearebrave.com, but you also have a personal website. I also have a personal website, tiffanyjohnson.com.au. So I encourage everyone listening to jump on Tiffany's website, jump on When We Are Brave. When We Are Brave, same name as the podcast. So when I have a whenwearebrave.com well. and yeah. tiffanyjohnson.com.au. Reach out to her. I mean, you've just heard her story. You've heard her openly share some pretty powerful stuff. You know that she's an incredibly inspiring lady. So reach out. I'm sure she would love to help and talk and sell your book and maybe talk to a group you would like her to inspire. But Tiffany, thank you so much for your time. This has been just such an inspiring conversation. I'm fired up. I'm ready to rock and roll and take on the world. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. What an incredible conversation. If you're not inspired like I'm inspired, then I'm not sure what is going to inspire you. All I can say to you, Tiffany, is thank you so much for that wonderful vulnerability and honesty and sharing of that incredible story. And not just the accident and overcoming the accident, but everything that led up to it, everything that's happened afterwards. Wow. I mean, there's so much in that for everyone around dealing with trauma, around loving themselves, around making the most of every situation, good or bad. So that was pretty incredible. If you want to get your hands on Tiffany's book, I encourage that. It's called Brave Enough Now. You can go to braveenoughnow.com. And if you want to connect with Tiffany in any way, then I, again, encourage you to do that. She's a speaker. She's a coach. She's obviously an author and an inspiring lady. So you can find her on her website at tiffanyjohnson.com.au. T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com.au. I want to thank my sponsor, Fiddy and Pietro at Fiddy for helping me get my message out to the world. This has been a pretty powerful message, so I want as many people to listen to this as possible. So if you were inspired by this podcast, can I please encourage you to share it with everyone you know, anyone you feel like would benefit from 
Tiffany's inspiration. I've had a wonderful time, as I always do, with my podcast, and I am absolutely going to be back next week with another wonderful guest. So thanks so much for joining me. My name is Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast. 